Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to this place today. And God, I thank you that we can just slow down. Slow down from the busyness of life to take a break from the stresses, from the trials, from the difficult things that we've all faced this week and over the last months and years. And God, it's just so good to have a place that you have created for us to come and sing. And God, we thank you that we have a a place here with you a place where you will meet with us, where we can gather together as your people and celebrate what will one day be. God, we look forward greatly to the day we will be fully in your presence for eternity. God, we look forward to the fact that you are our king and we are your people and we will get to one day worship you for eternity. So Lord God, we thank you for this time. Now as we turn to your word and consider what It could mean for us in the midst of all we go through, God, we just invite you to speak to us. We ask that you would move in in every person's heart and mind. Would you draw us closer to you? And would you lead us in the way of the things that we should not just know, but be? And would we meet with you there? And God, would you just continue to be faithful? We thank you that we can trust in that because of what you have accomplished. We thank you for this time together. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead, grab a seat. Good morning. Nice to be with you all. Lovely to hear your voices as we sing. Uh, I was away last week and went to another church, and we had a great time. But uh, it's always nice to kind of come home and be with your church family and hear the familiar voices and, and get to, to just worship with our church family. So great to be back. Uh, it was great to go away, but even better to be back uh, last week, uh, we had a great message by a dear friend of Emmanuel, Pastor Jim Penner. Uh, if you didn't catch that sermon, I would really encourage you. I went back and watched it uh, when I got back in office on Monday, and it was good. He just he spoke from a very personal place of dealing with a lot of grief and sorrow and how he has learned through God's Spirit leading him, through studying Scripture, how he's been able to go from a place of profound sorrow and difficulty to a place of great joy and trust in God. And uh, it was a very moving message. The Spirit was just on it. So I'd encourage you, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. You can find it on our website, under the Sermons tab, on our YouTube page. And even if you heard it, maybe go back again, take some notes. There was some great stuff in there. Um, I was glad I watched it. Uh, Today we're continuing on though in our theme of sort of going through some passages of scripture and studying about our emotions, kind of identifying what's going on within us, how does this line up with what God wants for us, where he wants to take us, and today we're kind of coming to this culmination place of what if we go wrong in all those other places. We've talked about some of our core emotions But sometimes if we don't deal with our core emotions, they begin to build and build. And then comes the overwhelm, which brings stress. Quick show of hands. Who's been stressed already this morning? How about about this week? Who, who, Who was stressed this week? Anyone didn't raise your hand? You're a liar. We've been stressed, right? The world is a stressful place. Life is stressful. There's all sorts of things which can overwhelm us and overtake us. And we find ourselves in this place where maybe you're like me. And perhaps over the last couple of years, you've put on a few extra pounds. I'm finding some gray starting to line the sides of my head. And strangely, as that comes in, uh, my wife commented as she cuts my hair because she's a hairstylist um, that she's noticing a little less up top. And so these are things that I have discovered and my wife likes to rub in uh, in a loving way, of course. But the stress, right? It's taking a toll on people. Interestingly, before COVID hit us, the WHO actually said there was another massive problem that was hitting globally. Starting in the 20th century, the WHO said that stress is the endemic of our time. And in fact, as they've studied and done research and started to look at what's going on in the world, they've said that COVID, though the pandemic of the 21st century, we hope it's the pandemic of the 21st century, it is going to be something that just adds to this epidemic of stress. Over the last year, 
41% of people have said that they've experienced a mental health decline. As we've faced stress, we've seen also that other things have started to incline, but these are unhealthy behaviors. 57 people who filled, 57% of people who filled out an online survey with the Global Organization for Stress said that they spend more time on screens in order to escape their stress every day. 30% of respondents said, I'm now overeating as a way to deal with my stress. And as we know from the latest stats that came out with our province, the BC Liquor Association has said that they have had record sales and don't see anything declining. These things are on the uptake because of our stress. Can you relate? Can you relate to trying to find some different ways to deal with the stress that we face? Maybe for you, it's, it's one of those things. It's vegging out a little bit more in front of a screen. Maybe it's putting a couple more pieces together in a puzzle because it gives you something to solve. Maybe it's opening and finishing a book just so you have some kind of completion. Maybe it's having a couple extra drinks at dinner just to chill out. There's a lot of different things that a lot of us are doing, but sadly, they're leading us to an incredibly unhealthy place. Today, I've called our message Sanctifying Stress because I want us to view stress as something not that's going to drive us towards something unhealthy, but stress can be something that, when managed, can take us to a good place. To sanctify something, or this theological word sanctification, is all about setting something apart for God. To sanctify something then means that we take a part of our life or something that we do and we intentionally grab hold of it and bring it before God so that it is His. If you find yourself and call yourself being a follower of Jesus, the whole process of our life is supposed to be that we become more and more about him. And we're supposed to align more and more parts of our life with that of the life of Jesus. And so our stress, if it's such a great part, needs to be one of those things we figure out how to redeem and work with in order to become more like Jesus and to bring him more glory. All through this series, we've been working off this premise that we come from in Scripture, which is that God has given us our emotions and our feelings. God has hired, hardwired every one of us intentionally so that we could learn more about him, so that we would draw closer in relationship to him, and so that we would honor, worship, and praise him with every part of us. God has designed us for our flourishing, and our whole well-being then is at the core of what he's about. A great theologian, Jonathan Pennington, wrote this. He said, At its core and in its very essence, God's saving work, his redemptive activity, his goal for humanity and all creation is precisely this that we flourish fully, even as he himself flourishes perfectly, completely, and with overflowing abundance. We should cease thinking of spirituality and godliness as something that has nothing to do with human well-being and flourishing, including a physical, economic, psychological, and relational sense. We really do believe that God's agenda is to glorify himself, to, to, to get honor and praise for himself. But one of the ways by which he does that is leading what he's created, taking what has been broken by our sin and bringing it back together to be whole again, to bring us to a place where our life flourishes and reflects his perfection. If our emotions and our mental and psychological well-being are all out of whack, we then, therefore, are not reflecting him. 
And so this is what we're doing. We're trying to bring parts of ourselves that sometimes in our church tradition, in our specific church, we often forget about or leave to the peripheral. We're trying to bring those things forward once again so we can work on them to see what the Holy Spirit can do, to see how he can change us. And one of the things I think we need to deal with, with before we leave this series on stress, uh, on emotions is our stress. Because stress is killing people. It's actually leading us away from any type of flourishing because we as people have decided to either co-opt that stress into directing us towards unhealthy things or we've decided to just try to run away. But the reality is that stress is catching up. And studies have shown this all over the place. That The Global Organization for Stress reports that actually 80% of people report that they're stressed on the daily at work. Does that reflect you at work? It says that 77% of high school students attribute stress to being the thing they're most worried about. As I look out at the world, I see people who are starting to feel the toll. As I said, I, I can physically see it on myself. So today what I want us to do is flip stress on its head and learn to embrace what it could be for so we don't end up in this negative space where we're just drained and sapped as people but so that we can flourish and reflect who God really is. But let's just start with the basic. What really is stress? I mean, we, can, we talk about stress, but, but, but what is it really? Well, the UK Mental Health Foundation defines stress this way that it's the feeling of being overwhelmed or unable to cope with mental or emotional pressure. So stress in itself is sort of this feeling that comes as our different emotions get out of whack, as they go beyond our control. As we've been talking about this series, we've been talking about trying to manage our different emotions so that we can bring them before God. But if we aren't proactive or we aren't successful in that, what happens is we begin to build and we start to lose our grasp. We start to find ourselves fighting the steering wheel of our emotions a little bit more. But stress is going one way. We're trying to go the other. And then when we hit this overwhelm point, stress just takes control. Stress is something that is good and bad. We actually have a stress response. I, th I think this is fascinating. I, I, I was a paramedic for a while. I love studying biology. God actually built a stress response into us. And it's actually for our good. The stress response we have, the sympathetic nervous system, is, is built into us so that we can avoid danger. What happens is something that goes beyond our control, something that stresses us out, flares up in us, and so our body kicks into high gear. Suddenly, we'll experience a few moments of mental clarity. We'll be able to have these crazy reflexes that we never normally would have. We've all been there when we've been driving on Highway 1, bumper to bumper, and suddenly someone hits their brakes. We're able to brake, maybe steer and correct, way faster than we would ever normally do. We've had these moments where something's flown across the room and somehow we're able to catch it. I love watching these videos on YouTube. They, they call them uh, dad hero moments. And it's these moments where their kids are like flying off a swing and suddenly dad runs like 50 yards and catches his kid before they hit the ground, even though he's 300 pounds overweight and never moves out of his chair. <laughs> we have these abilities. God has given this drive into our body to be able for us to throttle up to protect us. And so there's this physical drive that we have for stress. But God has also intertwined with that an emotional and spiritual stress system. This is what tells us when to turn to God. A lot of us view stress in a negative way and we say, okay, something's getting us out of control and so we're going to go over here or over there and try to deal with it. If you're like me, maybe you decide to snack. If you're like some of these other people in these studies, maybe you're driven to just escapism, to reading a book, to increasing your screen time. Maybe you just try to forget about it all by having a couple extra glasses or maybe smoking something. That's not what the stress drive is for. 
The stress drive was given to us so that we would learn to recognize what is out of control so we can go to the one who is in control. We're going to get to this in a few moments, but there's actually scriptures that speak specifically from Jesus, from the Apostle Paul, which remind us that when we are in stress, we're supposed to take heart and pay attention to God because he wants to do something. This is what stress was given to us for. Stress isn't in itself good or bad. Well, the stressors might be bad. The being overwhelmed and out of control might be bad, but the response isn't. So instead of turning to God, where do you go? I want you just to think for a second. When I get stressed, maybe I have a bad day at work. Maybe I've had that family conflict around the dinner table. Maybe I've flared up because I've read the news and ended up doom scrolling to this place where I'm really negative. Where do you go? Where do you go? What's your stress response? Again, for me, it's often overeating. But this can take us to all sorts of unhealthy places. For most people, I think our stress is one of the biggest footholds for the devil to get in. Satan loves to attack us when we are overwhelmed and feeling out of control. This is why when you're stressed out, getting drunk or high are so appealing. They've done research into people who have affairs or who participate in active pornography use. It usually is consumed most frequently when people are undergoing the greatest times of stress. Does that resonate with you? Is that where you go? But not only does stress lead us to this bit of escapism towards places of sin, but stress can also develop chronic illness within. When stress comes in these short bursts where it's good for avoiding a car accident, where it's great to help your kid before they're in danger, stress, when it's faced continuously or when it's neglected, begins to build. And it creates this negative feedback loop in our life. The more stress we experience or the more often we experience without dealing it leads us towards chronic illness. Issues with our hearts and lungs, issues with our brains. This is fascinating. While we might become mentally aware really quickly in an instance where we get that adrenaline rush, what happens as that drags on is we end up in a brain fog. It's happened for a lot of people over COVID. When we might have moved faster for a little while, what ends up happening is our body begins to lose motivation. We get a little bit slower. We put on weight. We begin to have effects in our hearts and lungs which make us unable to physically exert ourselves. And sadly, as those chronic illnesses begin to grow, what happens? We get more stressed out. Because illness leads to stress, and stress leads to illness, and then the illness leads back to stress. This is the loop that we have in our lives. It's amazing how our body learns to adapt, adapt about this. Fun story. Well, not really fun for me. But I actually developed an allergy due to stress. I was going through this really stressful period of time. I was working on my master's degree. Uh, we had, had a, we had a one, one one-year-old in the house at this point. There were some difficulties at my job, and I was stressed out. So one day what I did is I was walking out of a place as I saw, you know when like they do like the breast cancer chocolate-covered almond fundraisers? I bought a box of chocolate-covered almonds. I ate it before I hit the car. And I was like, this is great. I haven't had chocolate-covered almonds in forever. So I walked over to Safeway and I filled up a big bag, right? The bulk bin, huge bag. And I, I decided to do what I do when I'm stressed and to overeat. And I started snacking and eating and snacking and eating. And I bought another bag because I used up all those almonds. And while I'm studying, it was incentive. Ooh, I finished a couple pages of reading. I can have a handful of chocolate-covered almonds. Ooh, I got the kid to bed, and now I'm relaxing a cup of chocolate-covered almonds. And as I started to do this, what happened is my body began to associate the chocolate-covered almonds with my stress. So one day I sat at my desk in my office after a really stressful meeting. I popped a handful of chocolate-covered almonds, and all of a sudden my mouth and throat were on fire. 
I was trained as a paramedic. I knew exactly what was happening. I was having an allergic reaction. This could close up. I could die. Get that dealt with. Go to the doctor. Talk to her about it. She said, absolutely, Kyle. Your body now thinks almonds are stress. And now, if you ever give me something with an almond, you're going to kill me. <laughs> so please don't. Uh, but this is the things that happen. I'll never eat a non-prepackaged cookie. You might give them to me, I'll say thank you, but they'll sit on the counter, unless I know what's in it, because this is what happens. This is crazy what happens with our body, and God did that to design a system for us to protect us. But the thing that would have circumvented me developing this allergy to this beautiful chocolatey goodness would have been if in my stress I turned to God instead of eating. If I began to turn what was stressing me out over to the Lord to allow him to deal with. Now, in the grand scheme of things, this is a lesson that I'm willing to have learned. But too often, with far more dire consequences, we miss out on the flourishing that God wants to lead us towards. And we end up unhealthy, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally We see the increase of mental health decline. We see the increase of people who end up being suicidal because of the cause of stress. This isn't what God wants for his people. And so we need to learn how to deal with it in a biblical way. So what does the Bible have to tell us about stress? Well, interestingly, the the word stress is never once used in the Bible. But that's not a problem for me because we can see stress in different words and concepts, in different stories, all throughout Scripture, which can build us a biblical understanding of the subject. You'll find words instead of stress, such as trials, tribulations, and suffering. Any of those evoke stress in you? Every single one of them, just hearing those words and saying them, gets me hyped up a little bit, right, with stress. We know about burdens and tests and the temptations that we face. This is a reality for every single one of us as a follower of Jesus. We know that those things bring stress, and if we give in to our temptation, it brings more stress. We read stress all throughout Scripture in the life of of the people who followed after God. King David, great story of stress. Here's a guy who was on the run for his life because God said he wanted something for David. Ran away from King Saul for years and years and years and then had to figure out how to rule a kingdom in the right way. Queen Esther, same sort of thing. This woman who had to deal with these incredibly difficult circumstances of trying to navigate complex times. The book of Job is a book about how to deal with stress in some way, shape, and form. I mean, Job lost his family, his wealth, all that he held near and dear. And the question was, the question that Satan posed to God, what is Job going to do with all that stress? Mary, the mother of Jesus, talk about stress gets pregnant out of wedlock because the Holy Spirit conceives the child of Jesus in her in a day and age when you would be murdered for being pregnant out of wedlock. Then she has to go and deliver her baby under the worst of circumstances. Then she has to flee to go be a refugee because someone's trying to kill her child. And then she has to grow up in this tension of figuring out what's going on with this kid of hers who eventually goes to the cross. Talk about stress as a mother. Paul, the great missionary, guy who wrote a huge portion of the New Testament, we see that he went through incredible stress, getting shipwrecked, imprisoned, persecuted because of his desire to carry forward the message of Jesus. Jesus himself faced a lot of stress. The trials, the temptation, the mockery, the torture, the crucifixion. There's a lot of stress. We read about in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus sits and prays to God the Father and says, take this cup from me. And he's sweating blood because his body has had enough and can't handle the stress. 
The Bible is full of examples of good and bad instances of people handling stress. Many of these people who I suggested to you, though, are great people to look to for our understanding of how to deal with stress. Because the one thing that is consistent amongst them all is that they turn to God when the stress comes. They, they, they become overwhelmed. The emotions have gone out of control. And then they say, hey, God, I need you. And they spend time relying on him and they spend time pursuing what he wants in their circumstance. And we see that God brings about flourishing in their lives and in their communities because they appropriately dealt with their stress. What's the purpose of our stress? To bring us to God and to grow our character. One of the great places that I find this is in particular in two places in the book of Romans. The first one is sort of just a general rule when we consider the things that fuel up and flare up our emotions, which is found in Romans 8.28. Here we read that Paul writes, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you're like me, the first thing that happens when you get really stressed out is you're like, ah, why? Why? Why, God, why? You walk around the office. Why is this happening? You walk around home. Why is that happening? You walk around and you go, why? Well, let me tell you why. We're going to get there in a second. But first of all, because it's for your good. God doesn't allow anything to happen to us except what he plans to work together for the good of those who love them, who he has called according to his purpose. God wants to bring about some form of good. That's why you're facing stress might be difficult to see. You might not like hearing that, but the reality is the stress that's building is for some kind of good, according to God's purposes. But Paul jumps in a little bit before that in Romans chapter 5 to expand on this idea. He says this, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Suffering, stress. Because we know that our stress or sufferings produce perseverance. Our perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Stress is a type of suffering. We've all faced it. It's something that we don't like dealing with, but God has given it to us to produce good. What's the good that God wants to produce in us? Well, if we go to him, he wants to produce in us an ability to persevere. Why does he want us to persevere? Because he wants to make us more like him. Look at what Jesus persevered to go to the cross to die for our sins. Persevered an awful lot. Why is perseverance for character good? Because that brings out hope. What do we have hope in? The God who loves us who pours out things into our lives through the Holy Spirit that he himself has given us. This is the good news of stress. This is the type of attitude that we are to take when we're stressed out. This isn't my primary place to go. <laughs> this isn't the first thing I run to, but the reality is it's the place I need to go because God wants to show me something. As I face stress, if I turn to God, he says, I'm going to help you get through this. And I'm going to develop you and grow you and build an overwhelming sense of hope so that I can work out some good in your life and in the world around you. Sounds good. But getting there is a little bit harder. So how do we deal with stress? Well, as we've been going through this series, I've been trying to offer some practical advice based on sort of a, a templated sort of four-step process, if you will. And, and I don't mean that to be this sort of flippant thing. Like, I, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying, oh, just do these four steps and your life's going to change. These are going to be hard work. I struggle through these regularly. But if we work through a process that's biblical, if we bring things before God, he will accomplish something. And so what do we need to do when we face stress? Well, first we need to name the stress, then we need to recognize its trigger, then we need to challenge its cause, and when those things aren't happening, we need to be intentional in preparing 
for what God is going to do in the world, which is sometimes bring stress so that we can persevere, so that we can grow in character, so that our hope can build. So the first thing we do whenever we face any type of uh, emotion or difficult instance, particularly in the case of stress where those emotions have begun to overwhelm us, is to simply stop and acknowledge what's happening. I think far too few of us just run to escape rather than stopping and saying, okay, I'm stressed out. What's going on here? Scripture actually encourages, like I said, the devil will try to use those moments where you stop paying attention, where you start to run in an unhealthy uh, direction to jump on you and to start clawing away at your life. That's why the Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He said, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every, captive, every thought captive so that we can make it obedient to Christ. It's really hard to take our emotions and our overwhelm captive to bring them to God if we never actually deal with it and recognize it and acknowledge its presence in our life. It was crazy. We, we were having a really stressful week here at the church a few weeks ago. I, I brought that up in a previous sermon because of some stuff that was going on outside of the church and we we're kind of being defensive of the church. And, uh, and, and as that came up, I, I, I found this overwhelm, this stress that came out from this anger that I had. And normally, when I'm not doing well, when I'm not paying attention to what God wants, I would just go off and blah. But in a moment, I was able, thanks to God's goodness, just to, in a sense of clarity, just stop and say, hey, this is what's stressing me out. This is why this is frustrating me. And I, as soon as I was able to stop and do that, I was able to go, okay, God, this is happening, and there's parts of this that I think are genuine and good because you want me fired up to be protective of your people, and so therefore, I need to wrestle with that, but I need to let go of all the other parts. And what was amazing is that as I did that, the emotions came way, way down, and the voice of God got louder and louder. As I began to speak with him and to talk through what I was dealing with with the Holy Spirit, he was able to speak life back into me. We're able to resolve issues in such a way that would honor God, because I'll tell you, I was not going to honor God at the beginning of that being fired up. But this is what God wants to do with us in our stress in all these places. And so we stop and we name what's going on, and then we recognize what the triggers are. And again, this isn't always easy. In that moment where I was frustrated and, and fired up, at first I couldn't articulate why I was upset. I just knew I was. I just knew I was really stressed because I was overwhelmingly mad. But when I stopped and I named it I, and I took it to the Holy Spirit, I was able to then start to unearth it and dig through. And this part isn't easy, particularly when we're stressed. Because what is stress? Again, it's the overwhelm of emotion. So don't expect that this is just a, a, a quick, easy thing, particularly when we start practicing it. As we build on it, more and more it gets easier. But what we have to do is we have to say, okay, why is this upsetting me? Okay, what, what emotion am I actually feeling? Oftentimes, stress is a combination, fear and anger, fear and sadness, anger and sadness. It's, it's a bunch of emotions that are packed together. And we say, okay, why am I feeling that emotion? And as we recognize why we're feeling that emotion, we recognize what is out of sync with God in those moments. And then we're able to bring those things to him. And then we take the next piece. What's out of sync with God? Where do I think something else is more in control of my life than God is? God, let me bring that to you. And as we take those thoughts captive, we can bring them before Christ and allow him to speak in. We can allow him to begin to dismantle the arguments that might be in our head where we say something is the biggest thing. That's what's happening in stress for me a lot of the time. This thing is the biggest thing. It's a, I can't see anything beyond it, and God's sitting back behind that thing going, I'm way bigger, man. Here I am. I am over this all. Let me in. And it's taking that stress apart and breaking it down piece by piece so that I can bring it to the God who is behind it. And I can begin to wrestle with what he wants to do to accomplish his good through what I'm facing. 
So we name our stress, we recognize what emotions it's stemming from, what might be the thing, and you all know what your primary stress triggers are. What are they? Bring them to God and challenge it. Again, our emotions are something that God has given us as a gift to be an indicator, but when we get to this place of overwhelm and of out of control, that is not what God desires. And so what do we do? We challenge what's behind it. In John 16.33, uh, Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Read that. In this world, you will have stress because of troubles. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Stress is an indicator of potential danger. It tells us when things are out of control. But the truth is things aren't out of control because God is in control. The reason we can trust God with our stress, the reason we can hope for our flourishing is because Jesus has overcome the world. How do we learn to trust God with our stress? We look to the cross. We remind ourselves of all the trouble and all the stress that God bared upon himself so that we might have freedom and life. Jesus has overcome sin and death on the cross and by rising from the grave, ascending into heaven so that he can be in control of your life and your circumstances. Jesus died for a flourishing life with him that starts now and continues on for eternity with him. Challenge your stress. Challenge that situation that seems bigger than you. Challenge those emotions that seem like the biggest thing in your life or the triggers of them that seem like they're too difficult for you to move because the reality is while you might not be able to move them, while you might not be able to overcome those things on your own, God will have an easy time of taking care of it. Sometimes God will remove those things from us as we begin to remove the idols in our life that elevated those things to a place of stress. Sometimes God is going to give you wisdom and guidance for how you need to pursue through difficult circumstances so that you can build that perseverance character and come to a sense of hope in him. But stress is never meant to be king of your life because Jesus is the only one who deserves that title. This is the place we must go. In modern science and psychology, they actually call this practicing grounded optimism. Now that sounds sort of pop psychology, new agey, weird spiritual to some people when they hear it, but there is actual scientific evidence and scriptural evidence for practicing grounded optimism. Actually, for for the pop science part of it, it all started after the Vietnam War when Admiral Jim Stockdale returned from being in captivity. Admiral Jim Stockdale was the highest-ranking U.S. officer who was in a war camp during the Vietnam War. He was tortured somewhere between 15 to 20 times over eight years of imprisonment. They did awful things. They tied ropes around his neck and dragged him through the camp. They tortured him in every possible way imaginable, trying to get him to give up information and to give in to kill the rest of the soldiers for which he had knowledge about all of them. In an interview a number of years after his release, he was asked the question, Admiral, why didn't you give up? Why did you come home but others didn't? And he said this, the problem was people didn't know what to do with their optimism. People would say, oh, we'll be out by Christmas. Oh, we'll be out by Easter. Oh, we'll be out by Thanksgiving. And as those dates came and passed, and came and passed, and came and passed, these gentlemen died with a broken heart. Because the reality is they never really had anything to hope for. It's just wishful thinking. Stockdale went to explain what is now known as the Stockdale Paradox. He said, there's a very important lesson. We must never confuse the faith that we will prevail in the end with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of our current reality, whatever they may be. While being tortured and imprisoned and enduring so much, Stockdale practiced grounded optimism. 
He reminded himself that the situation he was facing would be brutal and he would work through it in his mind, but he said, that's going to allow me to enjoy the freedom of the outside so much more. When he was isolated and beat down, he said, when I get out, I'm going to be able to hold my family a little tighter and with a little bit greater appreciation because of what I've endured in here. When he was eventually released from that war camp, he said, I am a better man because of what I endured in that war camp. That's a profound thing that many of us don't know how to say in the face of stress and troubles and trials and the burdens that we're dealing with. And the wonderful news about our situation and the sad thing about his is that we actually know something even greater. All he had to hope for was getting out to see his family one day. We have a hope that goes far, far beyond that. We have a hope that we have a loving Savior who has overcome the world. We know that if we persevere and follow him, that we will get to experience the rewards of a full life lived with him in heaven. This is why the Apostle Paul, after being shipwrecked and beaten and mocked and spit upon and imprisoned time and time again, was able to write to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and say this. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed perplexed, not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that this life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. The stress we face may make us feel hard-pressed from every side, but we will never be crushed because God is with us. We might find ourselves perplexed at the situations we face time and time again, but we do not need to live in despair because the Holy Spirit, who has the knowledge of all things that are true, lives within our bodies. We might face persecution of all sorts in our workplaces, with our families, with our neighbors, but the reality is that we will never be abandoned because God is on our side and he holds us with himself for eternity and we will get to experience an abundance of glory because we will be with him in heaven and on a new earth. We will never, we might get struck down, we might feel beaten up, we might lie down on the ground kicking and screaming because we are overwhelmed with stress, but the reality is that we cannot be destroyed because Jesus has already beaten the cross and the grave and is alive in heaven and he holds a place for us. You want to know what the solution to stress is? Grab a hold of that promise. Go to the cross time and time again and be reminded of what the power of Jesus can do in your life. And when you face stress and bring it before him, if it does not get released from your life, trust and know because of those things that he's allowing it to happen for his good purposes, which will bring about your flourishing and the flourishing of his kingdom. We so desperately need a mindset change. We so desperately need to cling on to those promises. But when we do, God can move and speak to us. So name your stress. Recognize what's triggering it and challenge it time and time again. Finally, just briefly, I'd encourage you to prepare for it as well. We always face cycles of stress and difficulty, and one of the things that we can do because God is gracious to us is to study his word and memorize it so that he can speak to us. I've been hitting on this week and after week after week, but memorizing scripture is so crucial. God has spoken words in his word, so that we could know the truth in these difficult circumstances. We can know the truth when we are beat down. If we hold on to these promises, if we study them and we keep them within us, when we feel overwhelmed, when everything seems dark, when everything feels like it's pressing in, beating us down, knocking us around, we have something within us for the Holy Spirit to bring out as we seek him. 
and we can hold on to that promise. These are a few of the scriptures that I'd encourage you to read. If the first few are ones that uh, I read today. The second two are ones that are just great promises that are found in scripture. One from the Psalms, one from the book of Hebrews. If you find that stress is something that overwhelms you regularly, study these scriptures. Allow them to speak to you and see where God can take you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, I... I thank you just how marvelous you are in preparing your word to us, God, that you would speak so clearly through the lives of other individuals, through teachings that, that you had for your disciples, through, through, through people like the Apostle Paul writing specifically to address the things we feel. God, I thank you for your goodness, for your kindness, for your love. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you live within us to be able to bring those truths out and reveal them to us. God, I pray that today, in part, that would be some of what we receive. Where we just know the places that we can go to find you so that you can do a work. God, there's so much stress. There's so much stress in the world that each and every person here faces. And God, I just pray that we would learn to surrender it to you. God, it, it seems like so much, but we know you are far bigger. And God, I pray for those of us who that's a mental thing and not a hard thing, God, that, that we would learn to come to you and wrestle with you and through your word to this place where it can move from our head to our heart so that we would believe it and know it to be true. Holy Spirit, I pray for everyone here who does not know you and faces stress. God, I know what that that place can be like, and it's so dark and it's so hard, but God, I pray that you would just speak to them now so that they would know the truth, that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of their sins, that you have taken the greatest stress ever away from them of not knowing you and not knowing what comes in, in life after death, and God, that you have given them a promise, that you have shown a way towards a relationship with you, and God, I pray that even today there be those who out of this place of stress would see it redeemed by your spirit speaking to them so that they would put their faith and trust in you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you guide us in ways that lead us towards, your flourishing, towards our flourishing and towards your glory. And so, Lord God, now as we return to singing, as we reflect on you through these words, God, I pray that you would just speak mo in moments of quietness and of song to places of our stress, towards the places where we feel overwhelmed. And Lord God, would you allow us the ability to release those things to trust in you. We thank you, God, for what you continue to do. And we trust in your promises. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. I hope today has just been a refreshing day for you, a time to to slow down, to connect with God through songs, through wrestling through some ways that we can deal with our stress. Our hope as a church is always to, to benefit anyone who comes from our, our church family members to those this is your first time attending. This is what we're all about, is just resting in who God is and trusting in Him and learning to follow Him. If there's other things that are on your mind that you would love people to, to pray for or with you about, I would just encourage you in the back of seats everywhere, there, there's those connect cards. And on the back side is just an opportunity to, to write in prayer requests. We have uh, teams of people who, who just pray over those requests as they come in. If you want to just to stick with our, our staff and elders, you can uh check the, the team and there's the prayer chain and you can check that and it goes to about 30 people in the church who are just here for you to, to pray for you, to care about you and, and we'd love to follow up. If you want to follow up, put a note on there and we'd love to, to come and, and, and meet with you and in whatever way we can to just help you in your journey of connecting with God and following him. There's other ways on the, on the other side that you can connect with us and we can help connect with you. One of those is the newsletter we send out every week that just gives some invitations to different things. We have a number of different events. For instance, we got a, a men's breakfast coming up next week. We've got a Good Friday event that's uh, coming up and we're, we're going to have an experience at just a time of reflection here. Both those things are, are in the newsletter. 
One thing that's not in the newsletter that I do just want to call attention to for all the men of the church is is on April 5th, this upcoming Tuesday at 10 o'clock, we have someone who understands stress very much. We have the the mayor of Abbotsford coming to share with any men who want to come. So we're going to be meeting here on Tuesday at 10, and we would love to have you downstairs in the youth room just to hear from him. There's many other things, though, that we would love for you to, to plug in and connect with. One final thing that I would just encourage you to do in one way that you can help us take part in relieving the stress of people, of, of meeting people with their needs, is, is by giving. You can give online, you can give through the Tidely app, you can give at the Connect desk. The gifts we give as we do that, God uses to do incredible things. I have three just, just really brief things that I want to share with you where, where the giving has made a difference where people have been very stressed. One instance is, is a father who came a number of weeks ago and he just didn't have enough to pay the bills to put food on his table for his kids. He was able to come to the church and we were able to benevolently help him through the Red Tree Pantry and, and through some other means so that he could provide for his family. Your gifts help to accomplish things like that. We had another gentleman who came to the church and he was just feeling broken and destitute, not knowing where to go with his life. And because we were able to be here, because we were able to provide some resources, that gentleman was able to connect with Jesus for the very first time and come to faith in him. That's what your giving goes towards. We've also had and we've seen many marriages on the rocks because of what we've gone through the last couple years. And so we have been able to, to meet with and counsel through a, a number of couples who have been separated on the road to divorce over the last number of months. And, and because of their ability to come here, though, we have seen some of those marriages restored back to health. That's because you invest in what God is doing through this church. And as we give resources, as we provide pastoral care, as we connect with people, with mentoring couples who, who seek to serve those people who them, themselves come here for the benefit of what God does in this place, because of that investment that you're making, we're seeing lives transformed, families restored, people fed in the name of Jesus. And so I encourage you to consider giving today to invest in that, to continue on what God wants to accomplish. Now, as we draw to a close for our worship here today, I just invite you to stand because I want to pray a doxology over you that comes from the book of Jude. And this is how we'll close our service. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be the glory, majesty, power, and authority through Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Go with his power and presence. Amen. Go with God and have a great week.